This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com masters. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. In the last episode, Candice Gallick from BikiniLux.com explains how she's building a personal brand at the same time she's building her business brand. On today's podcast, you'll learn from the director of technology at a $40 million Shopify business on how they're preparing for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. In this episode, you'll learn what it's like to run 20 Shopify installations, what it means to think about your operations as its own product, and how to manage a successful partnership with outsourced digital marketers. Today, I'm joined by Quan Nguyen, the uh, Director of Technology from 100percentpure.com. 100percentpure is a fruit-pigmented cosmetics and all-natural, cruelty-free skincare brand that started in 2006 and based out of San Jose, California. Welcome, Quan. Thanks for having me, Felix. So yeah, tell us a bit more about uh, about 100% Pure and what are some of the products that you guys sell? Right, we, uh, we scale natural um, cosmetic color products as well as skincare and bath and body products. Cool. And you, what was the, uh, so you mentioned to me off air that the business was started almost 10 years ago, 2006, uh, but you joined uh, three years ago. Can you give us a little bit of an understanding about the background, like how did the business get started? Right. Um, the, the background was uh, Susie, our our one of our co-founders of the three um, was working in a lab and she, she was working on this bio and she knocked it over. Um, and then she came back to the lab next day and saw the table was warped. And she was like, wow, it's like this is the stuff that you know people put on their skin. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people don't realize that you know, for about, for about 40% of the stuff, the skincare products or makeup products you put on your skin absorb into your, into your skin. So that's when it, it kicked off. Where okay, let we she wanted to create um, that's something that's natural, organic, and it's come from fruits, fruit pigment and vegetables based. So it's, it's healthier alternative. Very cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so when you um, joined the company uh, three years ago, what was your background? How did you get involved in a business like this? Um, my background has always been in um, e-commerce. I actually started a web hosting business back in 98 and did it for about five, six years. But I was I was young. I was 17 years old. I didn't know much about management, didn't know much about working uh, with people. Uh, so the, I, I took a career, a changed career path and, and went into IT. Um, and, and from there, I just, just learned about IT for, and then I just somehow end up in the cosmetics industry and I, I love it here. I think it's a great industry to be in and, you know, making a lot of impact in terms of life and build out e-commerce stores and, and help the business bring the products to the world. Very cool. So what was the uh, technology like uh, for 100% Pure before you joined on? Was there somebody that was already in, in charge of this or they'd bring you on for specific uh, uh, plans for growth? Or what, what was the situation before you joined? Yeah, our um, CEO, uh, Rick Hasek, he made a, a uh, investment in technology to to help uh, um, grow the e-commerce side and add te- technology into the store and distribution channel as well. So, uh, when I joined Company three years ago, um, we were on Volusion. Um, 
the site was kind of rough uh, in terms of operation. There's there's no um, fulfillment backend. There's no integration into our QuickBooks or our ERP system. So that's that's when I joined, and um, Rick and I had a discussion. Like, you know, since we're kind of starting out from scratch in terms of IT infrastructure and e-commerce, um, we decided it's best to build a custom integration on the cloud uh, using software as a service model rather than a Microsoft model. Um, so we, I, I looked at Shopify and um, among other solutions out there, and it seems like Shopify was, you know, the better platform for developers or to build an in- integration around um, the op- operating, si- operating size of things. But we don't have to worry about the infrastructure. Uh, you know, we're not in the business to to host uh, data centers or server or cluster. So that's why Shopify was at that time was our best choice, and it's been working very well. Yeah, it's um, I think one of the biggest benefits of of uh, coming to more of a self-hosted uh, solution, or sorry, coming to more of a hosted solution is that you don't have, to have those headaches that you're talking about. Was it at that point, did you, did the company see, was there already a ton of volume coming through the door where it necessitated this kind of uh, change or investment in technology, or is it just uh, kind of investing for the future uh, plans to to drive more traffic and sales through the store? The, the company has... Uh a pretty good amount of success online. Um, I think we were, they were doing a, we were doing about um, four or five millions at that time um, with on Volution, but it's really hard to um, to update the website and you know being a developer and internal team. It's uh, we didn't have the flexibility of doing custom coding. Um, yeah, so we we made a strategic move to to use a platform that allow us to do. Um, custom coding in the back end but using the API on Shopify um, to do promotions, um, to do uh, integration with social media, um, and also um, to do fulfillment in the back end of the business to, for integration um, with batching and picking and basically the full vertical of, of um, operating the back end business. Mm. So when you talk about custom coding, uh, what what, what else, can you get more specific about what you guys were were doing with uh, the Shopify API? Like, what did you uh, need to 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 build like, right off right off the bat once you once you joined the company? Um, we were doing a uh, a pretty uh, big promotion every quarter. It's, it's called Gift with Purchase, um, where um, the user buy thirty five dollars worth of of retail products. And they will receive a a five piece uh, gift worth of over a hundred dollars. Um, the strategy behind that was to get um, uh, new users, uh, new customers, to come in and try on new products as well. As existing customer receive this five piece product in different product category, so they can try out the product. So hoping they would you know like the product and uh, continue and purchase in the future. And with that custom code required, like a kind of back end. Um, coding solution. Um, actually, the funny thing was uh, the only t- the way we executed that was using JavaScript. Uh, when the cart, uh, you know, hit the threshold for thirty five dollars, then add this item in for free, and we we found that um, there's a lot quite a lot of people uh, very tech savvy, and all they did was turn off JavaScript, mm-hmm. and and it got free the free item. But uh, we actually Shopify 
plus uh, recently released the Shopify scripts. So we're able to do it in the back end without using JavaScript. Mm, wow. So, so that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, it could be a big shocker. Like wondering why there are so many uh, of these free, free, uh, free orders that are coming through. Um, so was this uh, something you guys were already this kind of marketing or this kind of uh, promotion that you guys were doing? Was it already something that was done manually at the time, and you wanted to apply some automation to it, or did you not even try attempt to do it without uh, having automation? With automation in terms on when we were on Volusion or on Shopify. Yeah, it sounded like this promotion uh, that you, you ran that, sorry, what was it called again? It was a, a gift of purchase? Gift with, gift gift, with purchase, okay, yes. Gift of purchase. It sounds like a promotion that, that has been a mainstay for your, for your business, for your marketing for a while now. Was this always something that you were doing that, that did not have the automated uh, capability to add this gift in automatically uh, in the shopping cart at checkout um, and you needed this technology or you needed to automate that piece of it or did you guys just find a way to do it manually before having the, the technology in place? Yeah, we were kind of doing it manually. Um, we just display a banner saying, okay, you will receive this gift uh, with your order and we just add it in in the back end when we uh, ship the order, we just add the item in. So was, this wasn't on the pick ticket. It wasn't relieving uh, inventory in real time. So that's why we want to take the automated approach. Mm. Did you also find that customers liked seeing it in the cart? Like, was that also a big part of the reason why you wanted this technology? Or is it more just to have better control over the inventory um, that you guys had in stock? Um, actually, yeah, both. So it's uh, affirmation to the customer or the peace of mind that, hey, this is the gift you're getting. Uh, this is the value you're getting. Uh, it's shown in the cart mm-hmm. as well as... A, deducts the quantity and in, in our inventory in, re, in real time gotcha cool so this promotion that you you were running um was one of the big projects it sounds like you took on when you first joined the company were there other kind of steps you know at a, at a point of four to five million dollar uh business that's already a pretty sizable business probably much larger than a lot of the listeners on here but what what's some, what were some of the other projects that you knew that you had to take on when you first hit the ground running? When you saw when you hit the ground and you you, you got a kind of good lay of the land uh, in terms of where they were technology wise, what else did you feel like you wanted to focus on that would deliver the most value for the business? Good question. Um, after we implemented uh, Shopify and uh, run it for about six months to a year, and we found it it's uh, was to be you know the platform that we can scale with. Um, so we looked at our operations um, and automate that. Um, so like I said earlier, we, we wanted to take a custom approach and see the business uh, operation automation as kind of like a product, uh, similar to how Tesla called their the Gigafactory. Mm. So we, we want um, the e-commerce to pull in orders and, and have uh, a batching solution that's go to our iPad. Um, and iPad will be kind of like a digital pick ticket. And right now, we're actually we're looking for next year to to integrate uh, autonomous uh, bots in the warehouse. Wow. So they kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a moving shelf or like a um, conveyor uh, belt. There's a, there's a company uh, near our office called Fetch Robotics. Uh, there they have the autonomous uh, shelf. It's Quite amazing. Um, so, with the iPad, uh, we can the, the picker can um, start a, a batch, right? They they'll have they'll probably pick like sixteen toward to fifty orders, 
and um, our solution will kind of sort our sort the items based on bin location and start the the process and it will automatically pull the the robots will come and follow the picker based on the GPS location on the iPad and the picker will just walk down the warehouse and just pick all the items on in order that's shown on the iPad and when they've uh, complete the batch uh, the, the next bot will automatically come out and follow them where and the one that's completed will go to the packing station. So we, we wanted to, to, to add the automation uh, in the operation. Yeah, th- this is, um, I guess, uh, you know, when you, when you think about automation, it, there's, I guess, the other side of the camp, which says that you want to do things that are not scalable at first. And, and obviously, again, the scale of your business is probably different than, than um, a lot of people. It's definitely had more success than or it's at a stage where a lot of people aspire to get to. What, what made, you, made you guys feel as a company that it was important to focus on automation rather than investing the, the technology dollars you know, elsewhere and developing? Uh, I guess I'm not sure exactly what else you guys had in mind, but like, why was it that automation was such an important um, area to focus on for you guys? You know, if you look at every um, business, um, even in marketing, um, Nowadays, you kind of need to know about technology, like even for social media and ads, right? For for Google ads and Facebook ads, it's it's about automation now. It's it's about making API call to Facebook and AdWords and create your ads in real time, and based on your ROI, you can adjust your your budget in real time. Um, I, we're not there yet, uh, but I think we're we're starting to see we're going that direction. Um, we, we tried Facebook ads and, and Google AdWords um, early this year, and it was a bit chaotic because we couldn't track um, like who at, which channel attributed to what order. Um, so I, I think that's, that's where business are going. And, and even every department in the business kind of be um, or should be um, tech-driven and automating these. Mm-hmm. To, to have the uh, competitive advantage. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, everything does start manually at first, right? Whether it means uh, uh, packing the orders, uh, the distribution, um, setting up these uh, marketing campaigns and optimizing these marketing campaigns. It all does kind of start manually at first. You know, maybe at least the first day starts manually. Um, but what, what do you know when you should be removing those manual aspects and automating it instead like what kind of how do you guys make this decision not just when it comes to the operations side but just in general like how do you know when you should be to just stop doing things manually and and invest the time maybe even take a step back at first so that you can build up build up automated uh, solutions instead I, I guess it's uh based on the roi how much the overhead is uh how much you're spending uh, or your employees um, spend their time, you know, going through creating the the ads or uh, creating the lookalike manually, um, you know, creating a spreadsheet, just you know, and getting the digital assets. And what's what's the total cost to that? And once you, yeah, I mean, you should start out with uh, doing it manually, and then if you see some some traction there, let's increase your budget slowly, and then. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, as you scale up, there's going to be more more overhead. So mm-hmm. that's once once you, you know look at the ROI, 
and, and, and versus the cost. So does it make sense to use a tool to add or integrate a tool to do that, uh, automa- uh, the automation part? Yeah, and there are kind of extremes to this, right? There are people that sometimes spend a lot of time uh, in preparation for scale by automating everything, even before the, the the cost of automation is eclipsed by the <clears throat> the gains of uh, efficiency. Uh, you know, they spend a lot of time just building systems before there's a lot of dollars or even traffic or orders flowing through the door. Then the other side, they, there are people that wait until they're nearly bursting at the seams and are everything's always on fire all the time before they, they implement automation. So it's a very much of a sliding scale. Uh, for you guys, like, how do you determine when you should kind of step in and automate? Is it Do you do it bef- by, by preparing or do you do it when it's uh, obviously painful for the business uh, that then you decide to, to automate? Um, if if we, we visit the, the project uh, every, I believe every quarter and we do analysis on every um projects and we measure okay three months ago we implemented this and what has been the impact and what has been the overhead and where this is going so is this something that we're want to continue on on doing um if it is then okay how can we make it better is there a tool out there or an app out there that can do this for us and if it does does it meet all the requirements and if it doesn't meet all the requirements and scale with the business, then that's when we decide to bring in-house and build a custom solution for it. Mm-hmm. So when you say um, that you, when, you're, when you're doing this kind of uh, build in-house or I guess a buy or build a decision that you're going through, do you ever kind of hit like a middle ground where you decide to buy a solution or I guess pay monthly or whatever for, for an app or for a solution and then also layer on some customizations too? Like how do you balance between the two or do you always go 100% app or 100% in-house? Um. We, we take it as an integration integration approach where <clears throat> we actually uh, operate more than 20 Shopify instant stores now, uh, we should, even though we start out with just one. Um, um, we look at the apps, what's in the app store and what's out there. And if it meets the requirements, we try it first. Um, for example, we, we use uh, Returnly uh, for our returns. One of our great vendors, I like, we like working with them. Um, so they, we kind of scale with their business. We launched uh, free returns uh, about more than a year ago. And we were one of the first to, to do this on the Shopify platform. So there wasn't anything out there at that time to do free returns. So we t- hooked up with Returnly and you know, they had a solution for us to use our own carrier uh, as part of the requirements to, for our customer to do a self-service uh, return to select the item, select the, the reason, and then it will generate them a return label. Recently, we have a new business requirement. Like, hey, we start to see a lot of uh, returns coming in, and the most of 80% of them are uh, not returnable or it's been used, so we can't resell it. So why don't we you know, tell the customer to keep it? But that would require some kind of business rules, like, okay, if this customer's and you know, first-time customer, they never return anything, so let's tell them to keep it. So we we you know go back to we work with Returnly. Hey, can we implement this? And and if their platform 
um, doesn't support it, then that's when we decide, okay, can we should bring this function in-house and build a custom solution for this because there's nothing out there mm. for it. Makes sense. So if you uh, are a small company or for any small companies out there, uh, where do you think that they should be investing their their technology budget? You know, I think by four to five million, like you're saying, uh, it's a different scale of business. But you're when you're much smaller, you do maybe six figures a year. What do you think? Uh, how do you how do you? Um, I guess what kind of advice would you give to these kind of store owners to to so they can invest uh, appropriately for for a business of that size? You have to pick the front end or the back end of the business. <laughs> <laughs> Your choice, maybe both. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think you got to invest in both. I mean, um, the front end of the business is, is to generate more buzz, tra- um, generate more content. We recently launched our new uh, uh, website two months ago, and it, it's doing really well. And what we learned from that is the content of the site. Uh, our site uh, has better photography, has better copy. Um, it helps create trust with the customer. And we see our bounce rate uh, went from 56% to 11%. And average time on site uh, from you know, four minutes to close to six minutes now. Um, conversion is also up from uh, 3.8% to 4.2%. Uh, but, um, and also invest in um, social media. Um, I think that this would be a pretty big thing in near short term. Uh, future um, when there's apps out there that can kind of uh, work with the ad spending in real time and control that's the spending and you can set a budget based on ROI, that would be great, but uh, we're not there yet. I think we'll be there soon. Um, and yeah, so um, content and social media for front end and back end, look at how you can um, automate things for for like ship station, it's like one hundred forty-five dollars a month, and it's, it brings so much value uh, in terms of uh, automating automating your back end, and it has the API. Look at how you can bring all the data to accounting um, uh, efficiently using an app. I think there's quite a few apps out there now for most um, ERP system, ERP systems. Just this really automation, and think about automation in the future as you grow and scale. Always work towards automation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, me- you mentioned earlier that uh, automated operations uh, is uh, obviously very important for you guys, and operate. You think of operations as a product. Can you say more about this? Like, what is what does it mean to think of operations as a product? Uh, as a product, um, if if you think of the business as a vehicle, uh, a car, uh, there's there's different functions of the business, different departments, um, but they all gotta work in in tandem together. Uh, you know, for, for things to flow, for business to, to move. Uh, so every department, I guess everything can kind of revolve around data, uh, every department, and use, use data um, to make business decisions and all of, all of put tools to, for the data to flow, to automate the data. I think that's the best I, I can describe mm. it right now. Um, and, and what kind of tools do you guys use to to automate the the data to make sure that it is uh, at the right place at the right time for all the systems that are connected in your business? Yeah, we we start out the first year when we first on Shopify platform um, three years ago. There wasn't a, like an analytics platform available uh, on 
um, with Shopify. So what we did was we consume all of the data uh, from all the stores because we operate more, uh, more than 20 stores. So we, we use API and consume all that data and put it on database running Microsoft SQL. Yeah, so the, the data, all departments should use have some kind of metrics um, that they, they, they can make them more efficient and then add the tool to, to achieve the, the metric and the goals that they have for each department. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like uh, you have to first be able to see the data before you can actually act on it. But then once you are able to act on it, you need to have the tool in place to, to, to do what's necessary to reach those, those goals. Right. And having you know, a real-time database with, with KPI, KPI metrics for each department is, is very helpful. So you can, you can make um, maneuvers before you find out that you know, that project didn't go well or there was some, something that just, the profit margin just got hit mm. like two months later. Yeah, so you mentioned this a couple of times now, and I want to definitely touch on it, is uh, that you guys run 20 stores. So you, you're talking about 20 different stores other than just 100% pure.com? Um, yes and no. Mostly, it's, most of them are, are 100% pure. Um, the reason why we, we have to use multiple stores because we, we have um, international sites, websites. We have U.S., Canada, EU, and U.K., each have their own store and their own re- uh, requirement for accounting, uh, and we have twelve POS stores. With Shopify, you you can use one instance that you can have multiple POS in different locations. But for us, we have a different requirement where each store has to go into each bank account, different bank account, and then each different warehouse mm. at that time. So that's why we have, we have to split it up. Okay, yeah, that's interesting then. So yeah, you have different stores for the uh, the, the different uh, geographies: U.S., uh, Europe, or U.S., U.K., and you said Canada. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Why did you um feel? I guess why did you feel the need to split it split it up in that way? Like like I said earlier, we had a, a business requirement that each store has to go into a different bank account, and Shopify currently doesn't have the ability to go in. You know, based on currency, it goes to a different bank account. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, it was easier for us to do um, different l- local uh, localizations like uh, pricing and language. Uh, yeah, there's out, apps out there um, that let you con- convert that in real time. But we, we, we just... We had this, uh, I forgot the requirement, but um, we thought it was better just to separate it um, and manage um, the content locally on this site. And the, and the promotion is slightly different on each uh, site. That's yeah. why we had to do Makes sense. Yeah, I can imagine it being a, a big kind of a headache to kind of to manage all of this and make sure everything's uh, interconnected. Um, has it played out where you recognize that the the pros have outweighed the cons um, by having so many different installations? Yeah, um, I mean, one one of the challenges we ran into is uh, how do we manage uh, the products from, from all channels? You know, when we launch a new product, uh, the product information got to go to each. The stores and we have to do like 20 times mm-hmm. um so we built an in-house tool to uh to to do product management where we can this is called purity toolbox we create the item in there and then we have a sync tool that sync to all the stores and propagated to all the stores and we also built uh um, internal tool to 
manage all the stores in one console. And um, th- this this business requirement of having different bank accounts for all of the the uh, POS systems and all the different uh, uh, geographies. Uh, can you share why the, the, there's a need for that? Um, I'm I'm not particularly sure, but I was uh, given by our CFO at that time. Um, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I can imagine uh, <laughs> that that uh, what a big. I guess it must have been a really good reason. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, there's a ton of work uh, that that kind of uh, fell out from 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 taking this approach. Um, so one thing you, you mentioned uh, before was about the um, the KPIs that that you're measuring for all the different projects for all the different departments. Um, how does it work when it comes to to I guess the things that you touch? How do you guys decide what should be the the, the I guess KPI key performance indicator? How do you decide what that should be and what the the, the number essentially should be for each indicator? Um, you know we're on the. The IT engineering side. So what we do is we work with uh, business leaders inside our company at uh, department heads. Each department head, we go to them. Okay, what would um, you know? What kind of information you you, you want to see and in and daily basis and month, uh, weekly and and uh, daily? Did I say yeah? Daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly, um, so that they can their team can be more efficient, more cost effective. Um, and we work with them to to build up the the KPIs, and we have like an all-in-one reporting dashboard that uh, each department uses. Mm-hmm. And if you based on the, what you've seen, like what are some of the most important metrics that every store owner should be paying attention to, whether they're large or small? I'm not sure there's a clear answer to that because it's subjected to to each uh, company or business. Yeah, just based on uh, your your experience. Yeah, for our experience, it's like what I see is, is profitability, right? Um, we can run really good promotion and big promotion, but if we don't make money from it, and you know what's what's the point, right? So we have a, a KPI that uh, um, we add all the all the the, um, the sales for the day, and along up all the spending ads, and then all the operation costs, the shipment costs. Um, the product cost. I mean, we aggregate all of that, and then we have a profit margin uh, number for that day. So we can see pretty much close to real time, like how's how's the promotions doing. Mm. And are there any metrics that that are extremely hard to capture that you wish there was a better way, or maybe you wish that you could capture if you don't have today? Yeah, um, ads <laughs> like for like I said earlier, f- Facebook ads, and Google ads. Um, they all have different attribution uh, definition. And for example, if if I serve you an ad uh, on on Google ads, and then you went to our site, and then you didn't buy, and then you went on Facebook, you saw the same ad, and then you click on a site, and then either you buy from there or you went back another time and buy it. So how do you attribute? that sell mm-hmm. to that channel. Right, because then you have to make a decision at the end of the day, should I invest more in Google or should I invest more in Facebook? But it's hard to tell which what actually drove that sale. Right, and you know, if you look at Facebook ads report and Google AdWords, they both say they, 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 mm-hmm. you know, they did it, they attributed to it. So, so now you end up with an exploded number of ROI. Right, makes sense. 
So you um you mentioned something in the, the pre-interview notes or questions about how one one of the other uh, key marketing channels that you guys focus on is with SEO. Uh, what's the strategy like for 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 SEO for you guys? Oh um yeah SEO is very important. Our biggest channel of of revenue is email and then SEO. But I I starting to see uh, email is starting to decline slowly. Uh, I think in the future, near future, it will be about um, social media that will be on the rise. But uh, SEO is our second largest, and it's a, I think it's the cheapest way um, to acquire uh, customers. Um, we we work with a company called Online Marketing Gurus. They're based in Australia, and they helped us um, with SEO, creating copy for the site, uh, putting metadata. Uh, Creating a feed to Google, um, yeah, I, I think that's SEO. I think a good investment to, to put your money in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you guys uh, you know work with um, these consultants. You outsource a portion of your SEO for anybody out there that needs to do it themselves, whether for budgetary reasons or they're just getting started for the first time. Uh, what do you think they should invest their time or, or dollars in early on to make sure that their site is optimized for search engines? Well, that's a lot of it. They can do it themselves. Um, there, there's apps on the app store that um, help you I, I saw a few I haven't tried it but they can help you optimize with the keywords um, for the page and create copy for the page and there are copywriters out there on like for freelance you can get quite um, with a small budget uh, to help you with a copy uh, yeah put in the right keyword and submit to, to Google and have a lot of pages uh, a lot of URLs so okay. there's there's more that uh, get indexed as well as getting you know other big sites to link back to your site. That will really help your rankings. That makes sense. So for for folks that do have the budget to hire, uh, outsource essentially the, the SEO, the copywriting, uh, tell us a little more about your experience in 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 how what's the best way or how do you make sure that you have a good relationship or a good a partnership with a an outsourced uh, you know consultant when it comes to to SEO. Like what do you make sure that they have from your side so that, so they can do their job and what do you expect to get back from them um, in terms of deliverables or reports to make sure that they are doing their job? Yeah, well, with the, the team OMG that uh, we work with, they, we have a weekly call with them. Well, let me go back and select part of the selection process. Um, when we set out to find uh, an SEO company, we, we look at you know what industry the work they, uh, they specialize in I think that's important. Um, if it's, you probably have better um, return if they are more familiar with your industry, mm-hmm. ours being you know in the cosmetic industry, um, so they can write better copy, help you with better copy, better keywords, and look at trend, Google Trends, um, and you know get some referrals and you know talk to their uh, some of their reference or referrals. Uh, see how the business or relationship is working out, and yeah, and see, and see what they propose, um, what 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 they can help you with, and what metrics they can help you with. How how they can help you in three months, six months, uh, towards to a year, and what uh, you can expect. Um, OMG did that for us, um, and then after we build, we have relationship with them. We have a weekly call and you know just go over all the metrics. Um, what what would be our, our current strategy and, and future strategy to to bring up the rankings and for what keywords? 
Mm, makes sense. So what do you need to provide them with to make sure that they uh, have what they need to, to do their job? We provide them with uh, content. But, um, I guess that the process, uh, we start on the content and they kind of over, overlook it and make change or give feedback like, hey, we should put in these keywords uh, for this copy so people can can search for it. Mm, okay, cool. Makes sense. So you, you mentioned uh, that uh, social media, you believe, will be on the rise, uh, that, that it might eclipse uh, email marketing for you guys, which is currently the number one uh, marketing and sales channel for you. Uh, why do you think that is? Like, What, what makes you have such, um, a, I guess, a strong focus on the, the future for, for social media? You know, I think the people behavior is going to change from uh, checking email daily where they can uh, open up like Google, I mean Facebook Messenger or their 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 chat apps. You know that they check in like twenty times a day, and I I think e-commerce gonna sh- shift a little bit over towards uh, uh, conversational uh, commerce. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing now. Facebook's trying to push to put up bots and everything on 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 Messenger, and you know a lot of it comes from. Uh, from China, and you know, and if you look at China um, market, how their consumer are interacting with brands, everything is through through the chat app. You know, you can you can get a taxi or get a ride or make buy a product or order food through one app. And I think that's that's where um, you know the social media over here is going towards. Is every, you can you know talk to a bot and get your questions answered and place an order to a, a, a bot. Mm, so you, yeah, I think there's a a great topic for especially for someone like with your experience because automation has been such an important uh, focus and investment area for you guys. Email and SEO can be automated or at least can be outsourced to a point where it doesn't have to be hyper personalized for each individual. But when it comes to conversational Commerce, do you feel like it could be a much bigger challenge or harder challenge to to automate because maybe the uh, in the environment that you're interacting with the customer in is expected to be more intimate because it is a, you know one on one conversation through chat, which is typically how they they use chat to talk one on one with uh, with their friends. Yeah, and you know that and that's the the app that everybody opens every day, um, multiple times a day. It's, I think it's, it's email. It seems like kind of like a to do to do list now, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Whereas a chat is now just about relationships. And if you run in business, you 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 want to create that relationship with your customers. And you know, having that real time um, chat and and connecting with the customer is is I think that's where it's going. Mm. So, do you plan to then you know build a team of people that are just on? chat or do you have plans to to add some automation aspects to uh when you're investing in in the conversational commerce uh, channel yeah we're absolutely looking into that um right now we on our website we have a, a live chat um during business hours nine, nine to six um we see a lot of people are using it uh and it's all to really help conversion um when somebody like somebody ready to convert and they have a question and if they can get the answer right away, or you can even coupon code to push them, that's you know instant uh, peace of mind there, there for the customer. And you know, and the live chat is I think it's going to start going towards uh, more of the messenger route, or they're like a WeChat here in the U.S. When you say that, you mean that people are going to go off of the site to to chat with uh, with to connect with the brand? 
Um, yeah, I think there will be a mix. Oh, this will open a new channel uh, with, uh, you know, it, you can open your chat app and chat with a brand like like one percent here. Like, hey, I, I have a question about this product, or I want to buy this product, and you can do it inside the Messenger app. You know, you don't have to open your browser and go to the website and then you know go through the, the checkout process, normal checkout process. You can do that in. Your messenger app mm, makes sense. So, do you right, right now the live chat? I'm assuming is manned by your customer service team, like actual humans. Uh, do you plan to automate that more? And if so, like, uh, what do you what do you want to what pieces do you want to automate? Um, well, there's there's absolutely you know opportunities to automate certain things, but it's not everything. Um, for one, it's um, questions about products may need a little bit of. Um, Customer service or human interaction, especially for our market. Um, I mean, the bot will you will tap into like uh, a, a database knowledge base that we have or we we built uh, in a back back end. But you know, for more a streamlined process like ordering, that will can be automated by a bot. Um, the return process can be automated by a bot. You know these start a conversation like I want to return the product and then API will know which who the customer is and then just give them a list of products to return and the customer just uh, just interacted through the, in the messenger mm-hmm. and if and if you know that interaction uh, doesn't have or the bot doesn't know the answer they will you know ping a customer service person to come in and join the chat and answer the, the questions. Mm, yeah, so I guess not everything can be 100% automated, but you can, you can automate as much as you can uh, so that it can solve for the majority of the cases and then bring someone in for more of the edge cases, uh, which is exactly your your, your example. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, more about the promotional strategy that you've gone with, and especially uh, by the time this episode comes out, we'll be very near Black Friday slash Cyber Monday. Um, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was because of your experience uh, with Black Friday and Cyber Monday from previous years. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of your strategy in, in the previous years for ramping up to Black Friday and Cyber Monday? The last few years, we've been doing a uh, what we call a uh, ten for ten, a ten item for ten dollars. Uh, it was a big success in terms of um, you know, how people react to it. Um, you know, three years ago, it just was just uh, a weekend. So, you know, we started about a day earlier for Cyber Monday and Black Friday, and then uh, last year we started, uh, I think, uh, three days earlier. But I think this year we're going to start a week earlier. And I, I just, that's what uh, we notice, uh, you know, as a trend. Like pe- people are just starting their their Black uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday uh, uh, promotion earlier. Mm-hmm. So we, we want to be in the in the f- the first one to send out the email to catch uh, the shoppers' attention. And we notice when we send out email, uh, we have to time it. We look at the report, like uh, what what is the best time. To send it out when people are checking the emails, like early in the morning or at noon. Um, so when we, as soon as we send it out, it's like, boom, the, they just reacted, and there's thousands of people on site at the same time. And last year, um, we, even though we did uh, ten dollars for ten, uh, we we looked at analysis afterwards, which actually didn't make money. Um, so this year, we implemented uh, a, a new strategy. We added a a, a, a threshold like if you spend $35 on a, on a regular price product then you unlock the 10 for 10 mm. 
So and then we're able now, to, you know, we're able to do that now with uh, Shopify scripts, you know, without anybody turning off the JavaScript and just bypass that threshold. So that was that's you know, that's what we're going to do this year. It's pretty cool. Uh, very cool. So the way it work is that they have to have uh, $35 in their shopping cart before they have access to this, uh, I guess, secret catalog. Um, yeah. So they add 30, they will be a landing page with like 10 or 20 items for $10 each, but it will show record price uh, until you add $35 worth of retail products. Uh, and then you add these 10 items, so I'll make it discounted to $10. Mm, makes sense. So you have a a um, a promotion specific for the Black Friday Cyber Monday, I guess, week for you guys. Um, now, how do you actually market something like this? You know, because having a promotion like this on your site, obviously, um, it's great to have. But then, if no one's actually sees it, no one knows about it, then it's kind of you know essentially useless. So, how do you uh, market a a promotion like this, a Black Friday Cyber Monday promotion like this? Um, we heavily uh, depends on social media for this year, uh, Facebook, AdWords, and also affiliates and influencers on uh, through affiliate channel to to help spread the word. Mm. And because this, the sales and the promotion period is such a concentrated small window, you know, uh, at least a weekend for you guys previously, but now just a week long, still kind of short. How do you like? make sure how do you manage all that how do you make sure everything falls into place so that the affiliates social media posts and the 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 marketing behind all uh kind of not collide but all come together on the the at the right time so that you can make the most out of that that week well uh this goes back to the um the analytics uh, the kpis that we have in place um so that we can see in real time how each channel is doing and what's the ROI in each, each channel, and having you know an analytics tool uh, that give you this information is very important in managing and, and see how your promotion is doing. Mm, makes sense. So when you do ramp up for a time like this, and you need the the affiliates and everybody else to to push the promotion, uh, how do you guys manage that portion of it? Um, we manage the, the affiliates and and the ads. You mean? Yeah, you know, because again, it's it's such a small window. It's only a week long in the in this coming Black Friday Cyber Monday for you guys. How do you make sure that everything's hitting on the right spot? Because you know, if you are running a much longer promotion, you kind of have the you have the opportunity, have the luxury of taking care of one thing at a time. But because it's so, so concentrated, you almost have to make sure everything is working right off the bat. No kind of room for mistakes. How do you, I guess, prevent or lessen the likelihood of missing or dropping a ball on something when there's so many uh, promotions going on? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> in a company, we, we have what we call a, a, a blackout period for a Q4 um, internal um, deployment or project. So no, no new projects. For Q4, anything has to be implemented by you know August, September, like including our website. We recently launched our website, and we constantly you know, decide, okay, we have to launch this by September so that we have to give our time, you know, a couple of weeks to fix any bugs. Um, I mean, we we prepare for for Q4. Our company is you know most of a lot of the revenue try are coming from Q4. I mean, our operation team is is. Uh, you know, is is aware, and we look at inventory. We look at um, changing things in in the warehouse. So basically, no, in the business, there's no new big changes uh, uh, after September. 
Mm. And and that makes sense. It's kind of code freeze is this blackout period because you don't want to you don't want to divert your attention from from that Q4 period. And you don't want to implement something that might break the site in and obviously uh, be a big kind of sabotage for the business. Um, so now the day of, the day of, you know, the, the Cyber Monday or the Black Friday, I guess it's more appropriate to talk about Cyber Monday. On that Monday, like what are you, what is you, what are you, what are your, what's your team doing to make sure that you're prepared for any potential, you know, fire drills or potential, uh, or how do you spend your time analyzing the day? Like what are you doing on that actual day? Well, for, for our team, the engineering IT team, we're always uh, 24 hours on, on call. Uh, but this year, we're, we're doing something different uh, in terms of uh, company-wise that we uh, planning our, our employees uh, be with their family, uh, not working. But the promotion will run. We prepare for it. We've been planning it for the last few months. Uh, we have backup inventory. We have backup items in case things sell out. Um, we have procedures in place, um, you know, in case the promotion go down, our website goes down. We work with uh, Shopify, our account manager, make sure we have enough bandwidth uh, and server load to handle the traffic uh, for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Mm, very cool. I, I like how that because you are super prepared, you don't have to have somebody on call. You don't have to have uh, your employees working on the, the holidays because you have that preparation in place. I think that's a definitely a goal that a lot of stores should aspire to. You know, you don't have to always be on call all the time if you are putting in the, the preparation uh, for it. Um, so, yeah, so, so again, the business has been around for 10 years. You guys offering 20, you know, installations now, Shopify. Can you, can you give us an idea of how successful for the business is today? Yeah, um, we've been grown about four, 45% year over year. Um, we should be hitting our, our $40 million next year. Wow, very cool. So $40 million, that's amazing. I think that the growth, like you're saying, from four to five million when you first joined to essentially 10x uh, by next year, I think that that's an amazing growth. Uh, where do you want to see the, the company in the, in the next year, You know, especially from your perspective as somebody that's in control of the technology? like How do you want to see the business evolve uh, from a technology perspective? That's a good question. Um, I, I think I like to see the business... Uh, Go more into um, chatbots. Um, I mean, not just chatbot, but just bots in general. Um, kind of like our industry. Uh, there's uh, Sephora. They they have a bot that you can um, talk to and get your lipstick picked out for you, and and you can upload a photo, and do color matching. Um, and I mean, there's many ways you can use uh, bots for e-commerce, um, like the customer service portion, doing returns and placing an order for a customer, and um, letting the customer know where the package is, uh, which you know Shopify are you doing. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty exciting um, things coming out next year for e-commerce. Very cool. So thanks again for your time, Quan. So 100percentpure.com is a website. That's 100percentpure.com. Anyone else you recommend the listeners check out they want to follow along with what you guys are up to? We Our social media, um, we, we're pretty big on, on Instagram and Facebook. And we also implemented the uh, shoppable Instagram. So that's, that's actually a pretty good tool if other ones to try that out. Oh, very it's, cool. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, recommend people checking that out. You and you, if you have it live up on your Instagram profile already. Definitely recommend people checking that out as well. Um, yeah, thanks so much for your time, Kwan. Well, thank you, Felix. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.